is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 449, recorded on Thursday, September the 19th, 2019. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program, including you, Jason. Welcome to the program. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Welcome to Thursday, everyone. Welcome to Thursday, Chris. We finally got the day right. Yeah, finally. For the recording. So uh, uh, that's good. And there's lots to talk about tonight, um, in, including, of course, Fear of the Walking Dead, Season 5, Episode 14. But I got a couple of things I want to just bring up before we get into the episode. Kind of news items, I would say. Okay. And if that's all right. Uh, that sounds yes to me. All right. Well, the first one is some news that came out about, well, this is not really news, I would say, but it's kind of a thing that happened. And I thought maybe we should, we should talk about it for a second. Is it new? It's, yeah, I mean, it's came out this week. It's from this week. All right. Then it's one of the news, the news items. <laughs> okay. Very so good. It's, it's new. It's information. That sounds like news to me. News. Anyways. News. Uh, so last week or earlier this week, Talking Dead, you know, the AMC show Talking Dead, they tweeted uh-huh. out to fans about Fear the Walking Dead and they said, you know what? It's, it's been a wild ride so far. Are there any questions you'd like to ask showrunners Andrew Shambliss and Ian Goldberg uh, about, you know, making of the show or behind the scenes stuff or anything like that? That sounds like fun. Oh, you'd think. You would think it would be fun. Sadly, it did not go very well. Well, asking for input from fans uh, over Twitter is just a recipe for disaster, right? Well, when the fans are happy, it's not such a recipe for disaster, but unfortunately... I don't, I don't, I don't even know if that's a... I'm, I'm, I probably wouldn't be surprised by the sheer number of dick pics were, that were sent uh, as replies. <laughs> well, that would have been hilarious too, actually. Can you, can you do that over Twitter? I don't Twitter. Can you send, you can send penis pictures, right? Well, I mean, you can, you can tweet pictures. So of course, yeah, you can tweet dick pics all you want. Nice. I might get into Twitter again. (laughs) Perfect. That's what it takes. That's the impetus for you, eh? There it is. Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyways, so they asked fans for questions and yeah, it did not go very well. Based on the current feeling that fans have about this show, uh, not a lot of questions, you know, actual valid questions came in. So Forbes magazine did a, did an article about this and they read through all 167 replies to, I think the original tweet. And apparently they only found two like quote unquote real questions in the mix. The rest of them were things like these that I selected from the thread. Oh, I can well imagine. And I'm looking forward to hearing them. Yeah. Well, the first one I hear is, Question, are there talks behind the scenes about removing these two clowns of showrunners? Are the questions for the showrunners? Yes. So, <laughs> so that, that somebody didn't quite catch the meaning of what's going on here. I, I mean, you know what? It's for the show Talking Dead, who was then, you know, going to present it to the showrunners. So it is yeah. direct. It is for them, but it's sort of through a proxy, right? Well, it, see, the way I think of it is like uh, you're, you're asking a question through a translator. 
Mm -hmm. right? Or you're asking, so you don't ask the translators a question. You ask the question and the translator translates. You direct your question to the person that you're asking. So, you know, uh, I I question their uh, their intelligence. All right. Well, here, this next one is better then. The next question is, do either of you realize how terrible this show has gotten under your writing and ideas? Harsh. Yeah. At least they got the uh, the gist of what's what's happening. It's true. Good point. You know, it was well phrased, right? <laughs> yes. It's, uh, that sounds like a legitimate question to me. Is well, that one of the legit legitimate ones? Well, I don't think so. I I think um, the question wow. to be legitimate had to sort of have a positive spin to it. Well, that's that's just wrong. That's like uh, removing negative reviews from your website. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. You no, know, this that's a legitimate question. I I question now. I question uh, Talking Dead's uh, integrity. Okay, well, how about this one? <laughs> Sorry. How does it feel to ruin a show that was amazing? Uh, wow, well, I don't know. What amazing. <laughs> I don't. I'm not asking you to <laughs> critique the show. I'm asking you to critique the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I'm I'm asking. Uh, that's why I'm critique, critiquing the question. I don't know if the, the 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 question has merit because they started off by saying that was amazing. Mm-hmm. That just kind of invalidates the whole question from the outset. I All mean, right. the show was good, but I don't know about amazing. All right. Well, here we go with the next one. When will Nick wake up from his coma from the end of season three and return to the actual storyline? Oh, that's <laughs> clever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, These are all legitimate questions. I don't know why, uh, why Talking Dead delegitimized. Well, legitimized. They, they didn't. This is from Forbes magazine. So, uh, Forbes magazine. Del- okay, so I blame them then. Sure. Well, they they claim that there were only two questions that were presented with you know in seriousness. Anyways, last one I have here is question: Any particular reason you've made this show a parody of itself? Beer bottle blimp, propeller, zombie mulcher, house surrounded by landmines. Take your pick. Character development is dead in favor of gimmicks. So not really a question, except for the first sentence, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the point here is that there was hardly a positive question in the group. It was all well, about, you guys have ruined this show, how do you sleep at night? Right. Okay. So in that vein, I kind of agree with Forbes now that these questions aren't meant as questions, they're really meant as critiques. Commentary, yeah. Commentary and critiques. So what were the legitimate questions? Oh, I didn't take note of those. Oh, those, yeah, they're irrelevant. <laughs> they're irrelevant. When when it's like 99.9%, uh, you know, this kind of thing showing up, then I'm not so sure that the uh, positive questions really have much of an impact. So so how many questions were in total? You said 600? No, Forbes claimed that there were 167 replies to the tweet at the time of analysis. I don't know how many there are now. That seems like a really low response rate. It does, but maybe that's also indicative of how people are feeling about the show. They can't even be bothered to respond. It's Twitter. Yeah, that's true. They would, if, you know, if you can't say anything negative, get off of Twitter. Don't say anything at all. So I just, I think that that kind of response rate is uh, uh, hilariously low for, you know, the number of people on Twitter, watch Talking Dead, uh, watch the show, uh that, that, you know, a hundred and some odd responses seems, you know, that's within, that's, that's a, that's a margin of error, not an actual count. Yeah. You, you're actually right. It does seem really, really low, but I think it's just sort of indicates that 
no one's really even paying attention anymore. Talking Dead on AMC has been weird this year too, eh? They've they have um uh they have not broadcast very many episodes of it. They haven't done one really. Yeah, they haven't done one for every episode of the show. They were doing like season premiere and season finale. And I'm not sure why, but you know, I can't help but think that even they AMC knows that it's going to be difficult for Chris Hardwick to come up with this much positivity about this show every single episode this season. I don't know. I mean, part of me has to believe that they still have faith in the show, but I, I can't think of any other reason they would preempt it so frequently. Okay, so but to be clear, uh, Talking Dead is only uh, slacking off from Fear of the Walking Dead, not from The Walking Dead. Well, we don't know. 100% yet. I, I believe it is scheduled to air after every episode in season 10. However, news came out a couple days ago that the the Talking Dead episode for the season premiere is not being recorded live after the show. Like it's, it's already recorded, I think, or, you know, <laughs> I know it's weird. It may not already be, but I think they're doing it a week ahead of time and then broadcasting it. So I'm really not sure what AMC is doing right now. With that. Maybe Chris Hardwick is uh, feeling kind of sick that day, so uh, he asked to record it early. Yeah. I, I feel like a cold's coming on in late October. Yep. Uh, can we record that early? And by the way, it's not late October. The show premieres on the no, 6th. No, I know. I, I knew as soon as I said that, that <laughs> I probably was way off on that. That's all so, right. So, okay, a couple things. Uh, I'm going to talk about Talking Dead now. Uh, so, I guess if they're recording it ahead of time... That probably means they need, uh, and they don't want to record it live. I think it's more important to uh, to pick apart the point that they don't want to record it live because that's dangerous. That's like not releasing a movie to critics before it premieres, right? That's that's yeah. a that's kind of a dangerous precedent to set. It's like, well, we don't really have a lot of faith in this, so we're uh, we're going to record this ahead of time to make sure we get it just right. Well. They have done this before. I can't, I can't give you a specific example, but I know they've done a, one or two not live before. And it's usually because they want, I think anyways, it's usually because they want to have another episode of some other show um, come like follow the walking dead and hope to, you know, have the people that don't turn off the TV or the channel just kind of ride right into it. Right. Gain audience that way. But they've also done it where they show Walking Dead, then they show like, I don't know, Preacher or something, and then they do a live Talking Dead after, just an hour late. But in this case, it's not even going to be live at all. So yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I hope it's not a bad sign. Uh, yeah. But you're right. It does sound like the whole thing where, you know, they don't let um, movie reviewers release reviews ahead of time. Yeah, it sounds a little hinky to me. I have a question for you. I've never watched... Uh, talking Dead. Mm -hmm. uh, so do they take, when they do the show live, do they take live calls? Yeah, not very many. Like generally, like what they usually do is take maybe one call per episode. They take one question from the people in the actual audience there. And then they read two or three from Twitter or Facebook. So, but there is a, a live audience. There's an actual live audience in the room. Yeah. And what they do is they, they all sit there and watch the episode for an hour and then uh -huh. do the recording right after it. So, uh, did, they, did they have an audience for the episode that they recorded? 
Well, which means there's a bunch of people out there that saw the episode of The Walking Dead. Now that I think about it, they haven't recorded it yet, but they are doing okay. it a week ahead of time. So, and yes, there will be an an audience. There'll be a, a group of people that see it a week a week early. Okay, so then they'll all probably sign an NDR. No wait, NDA, NDA, DN, DNR, NDA, non disclosure <laughs> agreement. Yeah, not a do not resuscitate. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, here's my here's my, I'm going to sign over power of attorney and a DNR in order to see this episode. <laughs> I'd question that if I, right. if I was in that situation. I'd be like, yeah, is this really necessary? I think I might opt out. Yeah. If I'm in this room and I'm going to need to be resuscitated, I want to be resuscitated. <laughs> uh, that's also true. Yeah. But uh, I might not enter the room. Yeah. Fair. Uh, so, okay. So the second thing is, uh, wouldn't it be funny if we outlasted Talking Dead? Oh, that would be hilarious. And it would be amazing. I mean, we already have technically since we've been around for 10 years and they've been around for seven or eight, but. No, but if they shit can the show and we're still kicking around podcasting about it. Oh. Uh, uh, shit can uh, Talking Dead and then we are still podcasting about the show. You know, before we were here before Talking Dead, we'll be here after Talking Dead. Before? We probably will be. Like, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be here because they're not going to run that show after uh, The Walking Dead ends, right? No, that would be silly. I mean, they, yeah. they have done episodes about every other show on AMC. They did Talking Bad for a while for Breaking Bad. Yeah. So, and we're going to do some episodes after the show ends. So, uh, I, uh, I have a lot of faith that we're going to outlast that, uh, quirky little television show that I've never seen. I was going to say they should cancel that and make us the official podcast, but I actually don't want that to happen. No, me neither. No. I don't want to be an official anything. Uh, no, no, certainly not that closely tied to... AMC, I feel like it would uh, handcuff us a little bit. I don't want to be handcuffed. No, I don't want, well, except that way. Except in the right circumstances. Yeah, yeah. You know, with someone you trust and a safe word. There you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's what's going on, I guess, with, with Talking Dead. The one other news item I had here is that the 2019 Saturn Awards took place recently and The Walking Dead won some awards, Jason. On Saturn. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. They had to go all the way to Saturn to win some awards. <laughs> Windy. Yeah. Uh, the, the show took the award for best horror television series. So that's pretty uh -huh. cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And then Denai Guerrero won for best supporting actress on a television series and actually beat out Melissa McBride, who was also nominated in the same category. Okay. So when, uh, when did they win the award and what episode? Like, I'm just wondering whether or not she's a supporting actress at this point. Well, it's the 2019 Saturn Award, so they would have considered season nine of The Walking Dead. And Denai Guerrera, who is a series regular, I guess, um, but I guess in terms of the Saturn Awards, they consider her a supporting actress. I wonder if who on the show is considered a leading actor. Well, that's my question. If she's a supporting actress, who's leading? Is it, it's, it's Daryl? It's Daryl uh, uh, that's, that's leading the show? I, I think Denai Guerrera is a leading actress. I don't, uh, I'm a little insulted that they, they consider her a, a supporting actress. I mean, I'm happy she won. Well, no, of course, but it's just, you know, I try and pick things apart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I mean, maybe they don't consider anyone leading. Maybe they're, it's just a, a group of supporting characters. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, well just so you know, I consider you, uh, this podcast's leading man and me being the uh, supporting, uh, guy. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. I, I, I see us as equals. Uh, I don't. All right. Well, one more. <laughs> I'm award. at least, uh, you know, I, I don't have a lot of agency, so, uh, maybe I'm your love interest. I don't know. Without you, there's no me, 
right? Oh. So that makes me, I, I have very little agency in this podcast. I just talk. You're, you definitely are a supporting character if there's no you without me. That's right. I, uh, okay. That's why, yeah. Anyway, that's settled. Move on. <laughs> right. JDM, <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan won. Um, this is a weird one. Best guest starring performance on a TV series for his role as Negan. He's, he's a regular, yes, no? Well, is he a regular or is he a supporting or is he a guest star? Well, I mean, according he, to this ward, he's a guest star. And, you know, to be fair, he did not appear in that many episodes of season uh, nine. Or or at least not, you know, in a great deal of, a, of, like, a big portion of many episodes. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder about these Saturn awards. Well, like, they are on I bet Saturn. You, I bet you these awards never even been to Saturn. <laughs> God. You know, how legitimate can they be? Yeah, the name is all very confusing. Anyways, I'm just happy that they won some awards. Uh, they've never won anything else while well, they have for, like, the special effects and things like that. But it's good that they were recognized and... Congratulations to everybody involved. Yeah. Maybe is, maybe the Saturn Awards are named after the car. Isn't there a car company called Saturn? Do they still or exist? Was? I don't know. I don't know either. What I, do I know about cars? <laughs> I'm learning more about cars now that I'm buying my son toy cars than I ever have about actual cars. Oh, and you're not buying him any Saturns, eh? Uh, not as of yet. Not yet. Okay. Bought him a Ford GT. Ooh, fancy. And a Shelby Cobra. Wow. Made out of Lego? No, made out of uh, die-cast aluminum. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I'm sure he appreciates those. He loves it. Okay, should we move on into this week's episode of Fear? I think so. All right, here we go. Season 5, episode 14. Today and tomorrow, tomorrow, we love you tomorrow, you're only a day old. Today and tomorrow. I'm recording this today and I'm to listen to you guys tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you so much, Daniel on the internet and Lee in St. Catharines for those title nice. reads. Did, did, did uh, Lee's uh, title read come in today? Uh, it did, actually. Sweet. Just a few hours ago. So uh, thank you to you guys for those. See, now that's legit. Everything else we've been talking about before has some legitimacy issues, but uh, that title read is legit. Sure is. All right. Thanks, Too guys. Too legit to quit. <laughs> uh, the ratings numbers for this episode is 1.31 million, so we're down, but it's not the lowest of all time. Uh, and But really, it's right within the range that we've been in for, you know, some, the wall all season, really. Yeah, it appears so. All right, uh, so Jason, this episode we are back with Morgan, who we haven't seen in a couple of weeks, and uh, it primarily focuses on Morgan and Al and what they've mm -hmm. been doing, and then, of course, Daniel and Grace and what they've been doing. But we open with a scene involving Al interviewing Morgan because we know this because he's on camera. He's talking about his family and son. And I got to admit, Jason, the moment I saw this opening shot, I was a little disappointed. What were you disappointed about? The uh, the aspect ratio of the video? Um, no, I was disappointed because I am so over and done with seeing Al's tapes and her interviews. And frankly, 
hearing Morgan talk about his family more and more and more in scenes that I, that should be emotional and make you feel something for his loss, but unfortunately just don't for me, um, that I just couldn't help but think to myself, oh God, here we go again, more of this. Can we please move on from this? Or if you're going to feed us the same character stuff over and over again, find a different way to do it because I'm tired of looking at looking at characters through Al's camera. Okay. So that was a disappointing first 10 seconds of the episode for you. It really, really was. Uh, yeah. It wasn't the only part of this episode that I was disappointed with, uh, but it was off to a bad start. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm going to come out and say, I kind of like this episode. So are we, we going to fight? We might. Cause I don't think this one was good at all. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not sure I have anything positive to say about this. And, uh, I'm sad about that as I've, I've got some negative things to say, at least, you know, it's me, right? Right. I'm here. I got some negative things to say. I've got some nitpicky things to say, but, uh, overall I, I kind of like this episode. It was, uh, it was character driven, this particular episode, which I kind of liked. Uh, I didn't mind the interactions between the characters, uh, you know, Morgan and Al and, uh, uh Grace and Daniel. I kind of liked that. Uh, I really didn't like uh, Ginny, but we'll get into that later. Okay. Uh, overall, I thought this was a, was was a nice episode. I, there was actually some tension when they went into that uh, that compound or not compound, but uh, gated community. Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt I felt some tension there. Well, um, we'll we'll get to that in a second, but uh, yeah, uh, here's an email from Cindy in Columbus, Ohio, that just kind of reinforces my feeling about the opening scene. She says- And, and picks apart my feeling about the- Oh, sorry, just the opening scene. All right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, the opening scene. She says, wouldn't it be great if somebody grabbed Al's camera out of her hands and slammed it on the ground? I would love to see her reaction to that. <laughs> And I agree. I just want that to happen so bad. And later in the episode, when she falls in the pool- I was like, oh, please, please be holding the camera and it gets ruined. But no, of course, the camera bag was put down, you know, on the side of the pool before she fell in. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's her, it's her, it's her hat, right? It's her Indiana Jones hat. It's her Lucille. Uh, it's, it's her thing. You know, she doesn't have any individual agency without that camera. Without that camera, she's nothing. Oh, except an airplane mechanic and a landmine diffuser. and Those are all because of the camera. Yeah, right? okay. You're right. You know, Without the... that camera, she wouldn't have learned that shit. So uh, I, I think maybe uh, she's just, much like Lucille is the sentient uh, partner in the relationship with Lucille and ne Negan, because obviously Negan's a pile of dung beetle feces, uh, not even the, you know, the big ball of poop that the dung beetle pushes around, but the feces that comes out of the dung beetle, uh, without, without Lucille. Maybe, uh, maybe Al is really nothing without that camera. Well, I think you might be right. Uh, but I'm just tired. I'm just tired of it. I can't take it anymore. And, um, I hope they get rid of it or just somehow ignore it. Uh, even if it's season six where they start ignoring it. I don't know. Um, and then we have this opening scene not that opening scene, but as it progresses, we meet, um, we meet this guy, Tom, right? Tom's his name. And he is trying to steal gas from them, which upsets them, of course. And they chase him down and Morgan and Al are at first extremely aggressive towards this guy. And 
this bothered me too because of their position all season about helping people. Suddenly, but he's got a knife. Oh, big deal! She has a friggin' assault rifle. No, it is a big deal. It uh, in if with that kind of distance between her and that guy with the knife. Uh, there is no way she could stop him from stabbing her with that ni- knife, even if she pulls the trigger. Like there's YouTube videos on, uh, uh, police officers, uh, know. you know, training versus guys with knives. Yep. Uh, even if your weapon is out and your finger is on the trigger, if they're within like 15 feet of you, you're screwed. Well, I I know I've seen those, but also there's two of them. There's Morgan and Al there. And yes, he, that was a little bit better. When when they got together, they, they talked him down, dropped the knife. He did drop the knife because he recognized that, the, oh, there's a guy behind me with a stick. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget that assault rifle. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, do not discount a guy with a knife within 10 feet of whatever. You could have a bazooka. That's actually a bad idea because we've all played Halo, right, with the rocket launchers? Oh, yeah. If, you, if you're too close, well, you get splash damage. I mean, that's that's Halo and real life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Halo's not, you know, it's based in reality, and I assume. To be the, for the record, everyone, Jason's talking about the original Halo game that him and I played a lot of on the original Xbox. I'm pretty sure Halo has progressed a lot since then. <laughs> what, they keep making Halos? Oh, there's millions of them, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. First one was good. I liked Halo 1, 2, and 3, but there's probably- Oh, yeah, like Guns Akimbo. That was three, right? Six more since then, I think. You, anyway. You and I are old, remember? Yeah, we are old. So, uh, yeah, you know, you can't really say big deal for with a guy with a knife. No, but I, my point is just that they were really aggressive and unfriendly towards him, which feels like it- is in a you know is is opposite of what they've been trying to do all season, and I know he stole gas and this and that, but I yeah. felt like their position should have been, you know what, man, sure, you need some gas, take some gas. We want to help. In fact, why don't you come with us? We can take you somewhere where you'll be safe. But instead, they they point their guns at him and they threaten him, and then they have to hide in the car with him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Think of them like Canadians. Right. Canadians are all friendly and happy and they try and get along with everybody until you fuck with their shit. And then they're going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. Are, are they? Are we? Is that what we do? Well, it depends. It, it depends on who's fucking with our shit. Right. Yeah, if it's the Americans doing it, it is questionable because they're, they're our friends. They're our allies. But, uh, you know, if we're, if we're bigger than them, then yeah, we'll come down on you like, a, you know, we'll take our three submarines and we'll come after you. I don't know about that. All right. Do we still have three? I have no idea. I mean, one caught on fire that they might have fixed it. <laughs> How does a submarine <laughs> catch on fire? Anyways. <laughs> well, that's that's the other thing. Is they, they are bringing it home. It caught on fire. Yeah. It was serious stuff. I think people got hurt. But what? anyway, uh, there was a point where uh, the West Edmonton Mall uh, had more submarines than the uh, Canadian Navy. Well, that's funny. Well, totally. Well, okay. And I've got two more things I didn't like about this opening scene. One okay. is that they get into this car and Al's lying there, and of course, she can hold the camera up to see outside through the camera lens and see who's coming and how threatening they are. But then yeah. five seconds later, a guy, the guy on the horse is standing right beside the window, but it's too dirty or frosted for him to even see through. I'm like, come on, guys. It's, you can't have it both ways. It's yes, either, you, you, you know, you can't. It's either too yes, dirty yes, or, or it's clear. 
it has to do with how dark it is outside versus how dark it is inside. So the You've, lighting changed in one minute? No, it's darker in the car than outside the car. So when you're in a dark house uh, and during the day uh, and you look out the window, you can see out the window just fine, but people can't see in because the reflection of all the light, you know, diffract, diffuses and uh, blocks seeing through a window. If you're looking out your window and it's the middle of the day, uh, and, you know, every, there's no light behind you because uh, they were all hunkered down, right? So the light wasn't shining up from the floorboards. Mm -hmm. So it's much more difficult to see in a vehicle uh, in those kind of conditions in the daytime than it is to see out. Whereas the opposite is true at night. You're inside the house, you turn on all the lights, you can't see out the windows, but everybody can see in. I mean, I learned that the hard way. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, and the horse breathed on the window. Which fogged it up. Yeah. I, I was horses okay with breathe. that. Horses breathe. Yeah, I was okay with that too. All the neighing and stuff that happened as soon as we, the horses showed up. I'm like, come on with the neighing. Or do, seriously, somebody who knows anything about horses, send us an email, send us a call, something. Do horses really make all that much noise when they're walking around? Like I understand the breathing and the, <laughs> and the <laughs> stuff, but I, you know, the <laughs> Like, I don't think horses do that all the time. Apparently you do. You you do a pretty good horse. Well, you know, there's a horse that goes, uh, there's a Sandra Boynton book with, uh, um, what's it called? Cow says moo, sheep says ba. Yeah. Three little pigs say la, la, la. No, 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 you say the pigs say oink all night and day. You may, I feel like you may have read this book a number of times. Quack, quack says the duck, a horse says me. There you go. <laughs> it's quiet now. What do you say? So I do the horse noise. Oh, good. So, but do horses really make all that much noise all the time? I question it. Okay. Well, here's my other problem. Why was it such a big deal that the gas cap was on the ground and she had to like reach out and pull it in? I mean, couldn't that gas cap have been on the ground for months? Why is that doesn't indicate that there's anyone hiding in the car? Like just leave it there. Yeah. No, that you have a very good legitimate point there. Uh, Unless this is, you know, an extremely clean apocalypse where there's no litter allowed. It's... Uh, so you're like, oh my God, a gas can or a gas cap. Yeah. What about the gas can? Did they bring the gas can in? Uh, yeah, they probably did. They must have. I don't well, know. I but even then, if that doesn't mean anyone's hiding in there. It's just, it's manufactured tension or trouble based on nothing. Yeah, you're borrowing trouble in that point. In that point. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. I agree with you. Uh, leave the fucking gas cap. It doesn't make any sense. Did I ever tell you about the time I lost my gas cap from my car or somebody stole it? Mine's attached to my car. I guess you could pull it off, but. No, it was the uh, the red Pontiac we had. Mm -hmm. uh, so the gas cap came off. There was a little hook on the door where you could put the gas cap. But one time I pulled up to the gas station. This is a true story. Tr absolutely true story. I pulled up to the gas station. I opened up the door to the... Uh, to the, to the gas thing. And then the door doesn't like latch or anything. Cause it's an older car, 1999 or whatever. So you just opened it right by hand. I opened it up, no gas cap. Somebody had opened it up, taken my gas cap and fucked off with it. Right. Like, so, do you think they just needed one? So they found I have it. No idea. It was gone. It was just gone. I opened up the, 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 yeah. the door thing. It was just gone. I'm like, now I have to find out how to get another gas cap. I don't know anything about cars. Where to get a gas cap? And I looked on the, uh, top of the gas pump, there was a fucking gas cap sitting there. I'd never been to this gas station before in my life. There was a gas, gas cap on top of the pump. It fit my car. I put it in, 
cranked it closed when I was done with the gas, closed the outer door, got in the car and left. All right. Swear to God. Well, so someone stole your gas cap and then you stole somebody else's. Apparently. Okay, fair. But then we replaced the whole uh, gas tank and gas line system. So uh, like a year later, so we got a whole new gas cap. You got a fresh one. All right. Yeah. Well. And my wife totaled a car. Oh yeah, that's right. It's gone now. Like in July. I'm just anyway, glad. She's fine. I'm just glad everyone's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody was fine. She just, the car was a write-off. It was yeah. only two grand. The car was only worth two grand. So they were like, yeah, we're not fixing that. No, it doesn't take much to, uh, write off an old car like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what I didn't like about the opening scene. Uh, there, there was lots. So far, this episode has not really worked at all for me. Um, and then basically from there we get, um, Alan Morgan, they, they, are told this story by Tom about his, where he's come from, what these horse people are all about and how they're not so friendly and that they have his sister in their compound. So throughout the episode, Al and Morgan kind of agree to sneak in to this place to rescue Tom's sister. Uh, but mostly it's just Al who wants to do it. And she wants to do it because she thinks that the horse people might be the same as the helicopter people and that maybe her new friend Isabel is in there and with them and she wants to find that out. So I actually didn't mind that. That was, yeah. that was, I was fine with that. That seemed logical and something that a person would do, right? I met this person. Uh, I had a really good experience with them. I thought I'd never see them again. And now it seems like I found a group where she might be. So I want to go in, even if it doesn't make a ton of sense to like go in and sneak into that place. Sometimes people do crazy things for love and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd do it. I'd go into that compound one way or the other. Uh, well, yeah, for that reason. Um, I think other than that though. It just didn't make any sense. And the way the whole thing was executed uh, really kind of bothered me. So even though I was all right with the reasoning behind it, I didn't really like much of what was going on in there, uh, which I can get into. So um, they break into this compound. First of all, they, they use a zombie to distract the guy at the gate, which they know mm -hmm. will work because they saw... You know, they saw some people at the gate come out, kill a zombie and drag it inside. Once again, very clean apocalypse. Uh, I suppose. But you're telling me that there's only one guy in the middle of the night watching that gate. So it's that easy to like distract him with a zombie and then sneak in behind him because he just leaves the gate wide open. Uh, yep. Okay. He's probably, you know, he's a cowboy. He's probably eating beans. Well, I just... And, and nobody wants to be in the same room with a guy who's eating beans. I mean, it's, it's a fence outdoors. He... They need to have two people on watch at a time. That just makes sense Well, to me. that would be ideal. But, you know, uh, we've all played D&D. &D. Sometimes you just leave a single person on watch. I, who's only half paying attention because I don't think elves need to sleep all that much. So they just kind of go into this weird low power mode and uh, they can be on watch while they're in this low power mode. So that seems questionable to me. Well, I don't think you should have one person on watch and... I feel like it just made it too easy for them. I, ideally, you're absolutely right. Having more than one person on watch is a great, I mean, at each of the gates and whatever. But uh, sometimes uh, you have to spread the, the, you know, the staff a little thin. All right. So, so maybe that's what's hap what, what has happened here. So it makes it easy for them to get in. All right. Maybe, maybe I can buy into that. But then. Maybe they, maybe they let them in. Huh? Uh, uh, 
didn't seem obvious in the episode if that's what they were going for. No, it wasn't obvious. All right. Once they're in, though, they basically seem to have free run of the place. Like, they just sort of run in, they hide for a while, it seems really easy. They sneak into some buildings, Morgan just opens the door to a house, walks into it and goes, Janice? Like he's he's looking for the guy's sister, you know. There there's there was no roadblocks for them. Um, they actually use the walkie-talkies to talk to each other while they're hiding. After everything we know on this show about how easy it is for people to listen in, they're like in an enemy compound, talking on the radios to each other. Okay, so this episode reminded me of Lord of the Rings, even more so now that you explain it like that. We have the the guys on horses, which really gave me some insight into the ring wraiths. Uh, you know, all they were was guys on horses looking for something, right? That's all we have here. We have some people on horses. That in this case, they're looking for a guy. But they get the, you know, they have to go into behind the gates of this uh, this compound, and then they fall into a big uh, puddle of water. It's it's basically what they're doing is they're trying to destroy the ring and they have to go back. They have to go into Mordor. Sorry, I'm spoiling Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but I uh, feel like Frodo and everybody had like a hard time. They had they had obstacles and roadblocks. Oh, I don't know. They're like, well, they went up to the gate and they went, yeah, that's not going to work. And, and then the little guy says, I know another way. And then they go the other way. What's so hard about that? Well, uh, I don't know. It just feels <laughs> I'm, like. I'm minimizing. See, it. Frodo and everybody had things they had to overcome here. It's like, well, that guy's just going to run out and grab this zombie. What could possibly go wrong? We'll just walk in behind him and then we'll have our way with this place, walking into houses. Um, you know, Al at one point, butt ends a lock with her gun to, to open it. Like that's not going to make a lot of noise. She wrapped it with her scarf. Everything was fine. I'm apologizing for the show, but you're absolutely right. These are all big problems. They were big problems. She's walking around a darkened building, like a pitch black building at, at night with a giant super bright camera light blaring out. Like you were just talking uh-huh. about seeing light in a dark house at night. I mean, if that uh-huh. wouldn't give them away, I don't know what would. You need a, what you need is a tactical flashlight that has uh, uh, luminosity settings. Like I have this flashlight. It has five settings. You can go s- super dim or like a thousand lumens, which is incredibly bright. Right. Well, she has the thousand lumen camera light blaring into the place. Morgan, too much. Morgan hears a zombie behind a door. So he just opens it and gets attacked and has to fight off, fight it off, ends up pushing it off the balcony. Nobody Uh notices. Like, where are the people in this place? Well, it's just that guy, just that one guy on the gate. Yeah. That's why he's the only guy, because he's the only guy there, right? Well, obviously not, because later on there's more people. It's it's Ginny, of course, and her crew. They showed up with the, uh, with the tanker, I guess, right? They got home while they were in the uh, in the compound. Okay. So you really think there's like just nobody there and that's why no one finds them doing all this stuff? Yeah, they're out doing some stuff. Well, I Maybe the five guys with horses were there, but the rest of the crew were not. Still. I, I mean, I hadn't really thought of that, but still, it just seems, the whole thing seems so dumb to me. Like starting with why would they even bother to it being just so easy for them to walk around. Uh, you know, Morgan, as I said, pushes this, this zombie off the balcony and then Al falls into the pool with it and has to fight it off. And I thought to myself, okay, if, if they're not discovered after falling into a pool, uh, and in fact, Morgan dives into the pool to save her too. Did you notice when Morgan comes down underwater to save her, he's coming head first. So he dives in. He uh-huh, doesn't heard the splash. He, he doesn't 
do it cautiously. He doesn't just like get in there feet first or, or anything. He dives straight in. It just seems so dumb. But I was thinking to myself, if they're not discovered now, I'm turning this off because I can't take how dumb this is. Well, but the way they were discovered was dumb too. So let's, well, sorry, before I get into that, uh, underwater zombie, this had not occurred to me before. If you get like challenged by or grabbed by a zombie and gone, gone underwater, yep. uh, they don't need to breathe. No, that's they true. have a very significant advantage underwater against somebody who's alive. Uh, yes, that's true. They I hadn't considered that. That's uh, that's scary, right? Because you, well, an owl does go up for air at one point and then comes back down to continue fighting it. So it is pretty yeah. scary. The thing though is, I don't think a zombie can swim up. So if you can get away from it, you're I don't know. You're pretty safe. residual memories, right? It depends. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I didn't float. Did I ever tell you that? When I was like 18, 19, I didn't float. If I, uh, if I let out my breath, I would sink to whatever bottom of whatever body of water I was in. Well. I was like lean muscle mass. I didn't have a lot of fat on me. That, now I'm a bobber. I just kind of bob around in the water. I don't even really need to think about it. I mean, that can't be true. The human body floats. I swear to God, I would sink. <laughs> I, I, I would get into a pool. I would like. Just let out half my breath and I would sink to the bottom of the, of the pool. Uh, I'm okay. telling you. All right. Well, uh, it is, it is a scary situation. I will give you that. It's not exactly unique though. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was the 1979 movie zombie or some places call it zombie two. I don't know if there was a second, a first one, but a zombie fights a shark in that movie underwater. Nice. Now it's not a, it's not a fighting a human. Um, but it is an underwater zombie scene. So this isn't the first time we've seen a zombie underwater, of course. Uh, but give the show credit. They were yeah. trying to do I never something. Saw, I never saw a zombie. No. But, but I would watch something a zombie fighting a shark. Well, yeah. That must be fascinating. <laughs> of course. That's a shark would freak out. It's like, I'm chewing on you. You're still fighting me. I don't know what's going on here. I guess I need to chew on you some more. I mean, a shark would win against a zombie, right? Well, yes, of course. I mean- it wouldn't even take that long for like a big shark, a, a great white shark. Probably the whole thought process of the shark would be, that was weird. And then move on with his life, not thinking about it ever again. Right. Probably that's true. Yeah. So anyways, I'll, I'll give you, I, the, the underwater zombie fight was cool. It was definitely, um, scary for Al. And if it was, you know, if, if I was in that situation, I would be freaked out, but you know, zombies are walking around. I'd probably be freaked out most of the time anyways. Uh, but, but the falling into the pool is what gives them away ultimately, which I was relieved about because up to that point, I was just not on board with this episode at all. And then of course it's Ginny and she sits them down and kind of explains in a way who they are, what they're trying to do and you know, what the deal they made with their friends basically. Right. Let's back up one second. Sure. When, uh, as soon as they are discovered, uh, it's just like everything happened all at once. The, uh, the lights came on, the generators uh, came on and there was people standing around everywhere. Mm. Like they were on the roof behind there. They were surrounding the pool. It was, it was, uh, it was unrealistic the way that, uh, they were discovered and they just, everything came on all at once. Yeah. Funny. Funny how that is. You know, it's when, when they're sneaking around, it's really convenient that there's like nobody there. And now all of a sudden they're discovered and the place is like a bustling metropolis full of lights and generators and air conditioners running. Like, 
Come on. Come on. You you have an air conditioner, right? I have one crappy window unit air conditioner, yeah. Yeah, well, just like this place. Do you do you put ribbons in it so you can see it flapping around when it's on? No, but I might now. You you should. You, okay. should. you really should, because that, that's what I would do. <laughs> that's a thing people do, yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's a TV thing. That's how you know the air conditioner's on. Otherwise, how would you know? Right? Uh, well, you wouldn't. No, see, you need to know this these way, things. Yeah, visual confirmation that it's nice and cool in there. Right, exactly. Um, anyways, Ginny gives them this talk. I'm not sure we really learned anything new in this discussion. Uh, she does mention larger settlements. So it sounds mm-hmm. like there are lots of these groups around, some of them much bigger, um, which kind of made me wonder, you know, why are they introducing this group and by they, I mean, why is the show giving us this new group when we already have the helicopter people out there? I mean, everyone expected it to be them anyways, so maybe just make it them? <laughs> you can't. The helicopter people are gone. Like, they're they're part of a new series of movies starring uh, Andrew Lincoln. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They can't bring them into the show. They can't explain them. They're gone. I mean, like, they did we can't a, we can't have them at all. They did a whole episode bringing them into the show and kind of explaining a, them. That's just a teaser. That's yeah. just a that's a teaser and a uh, an Easter egg, an e- Easter teaser. Yeah, it doesn't I, sound great. But y- whatever. Right. I mean, you're right. I I I get that, but it sometimes. Sometimes you expect something and you want it to happen. And I can't be the only one, right? And in this case, it didn't. So, you know, maybe this group of um, pioneers, I think they're the pioneers. I can't, I can't never remember for some reason. Maybe yeah, they'll be right. super interesting. Maybe it will be a great storyline. Maybe Ginny will turn out to be a really great villain. I don't know. But so far, it sounds like she just kind of sits people down and talks to them. Kind of like what Logan did. And we've been over that. So I'm in, I was thinking about this all day today. I think the actress that plays Ginny is either miscast or uh, misdirected, or I think the showrunners are uh, fucking something up. They're screwing up on a, a, a genuine opportunity here. Can you imagine a, just imagine if you will, I'm going to paint you a word picture. Mm-hmm. So take Ginny and replace her with someone or replace her character with another character that appears to be sincere. We're trying to help people. We're doing what you're doing. We're just, we're doing it a little bit better. Uh, we want to help you. We want you to join us. We're trying to rebuild this society and all being completely above board mm-hmm. and being sincere. Yep. Every word she's saying can still be, uh, words coming out of that character's mouth, but don't play it like, like this actress is playing it to be, uh, you know, disingenuous and threatening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she seems very sarcastic and uh, facetious and disingenuous. It's, uh, uh, it's really starting to bother me, yeah. frankly. Yeah. And I think that having this as an opportunity to have this character appear to be sincere would be, and then turn out to be a bad guy or a bad person, uh, would be a better storytelling uh, device in my mind. Well, I've got it. I've got an email here from Jason in California and, you know, he's referring to something that came up in a previous podcast, but it, it relates to what you're saying in a way. 
and he writes, The one comment about Madison coming back as a villain blew my mind. The idea that after the stadium burned down, she would be angry at the people she helped. They didn't listen to her and ruined the home she built. So her new plan is to help people whether they like it or not. Being nice just lets them screw everything up. It wouldn't, it would be the best twist to bring contrast to this season. And that got me thinking that I think with Ginny, sort of what the writers are trying to do is show us the contrast between two groups who supposedly have the same goal, but are from sort of different sides of the coin where Morgan and everybody are helping people and actually trying to help people. But Ginny's group sort of says they are, but they end up killing people they make deals with and they are going about it from kind of the other way where they're helping people whether they want it or not. Um, Well, you know, that's the governor. We've had this storyline. Well, yeah, we have a little bit, but on Fear the Walking Dead and the current showrunners, I think that may be what they're trying to do. It's like, look at these two groups. They both say they want to help people. One side, the people you call the heroes, are 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 genuinely trying to do it. And this new group of people led by Ginny are killing people and, you know, Morgan's accusing them of being bad and stuff like that. And I have a feeling the writers feel really clever about what they're doing here, but I don't think it's coming off as that compelling. No, it's, it's derivative. Yeah. It's all, you know, it's all been done before. I just, I think that this portrayal of this particular character is starting to grate on me. It's, uh, it's just that, that, and it's the same thing in real life. When I detect, uh, insincerity in someone, that they're just being a dick for being a dick, but they're even though the words that they're saying are seem like they could be taken in a nice light, but they're being a dick about it. It just it, it grates on me, and this character is starting to really grate on me. God, and and she we've only had her on two episodes so far, so it didn't take long. Yeah, you know, wow. it's not there's there's characters you love to hate, right? Oh, I hate that guy. Of course, it's so much fun to watch him. He's such a bad guy. Uh, you know, I'm not doing that with Ginny. I really no. don't like it. No, I, I agree. I'm not doing that with either with her either. But anyways, all of this stuff here, I think, was to get Morgan to his realization at the end that he says he's holding on to the past um, too much. And he, he says that out loud on, you know, on Grace's, or not Grace, Al's camera again. And, you know, he's decided to look to the future. Um, and right now the immediate future for him is getting back to grace. And well, as we know, as we find out at the end, she's sick again. Um, but getting back to her and kind of telling her how he feels. But in the moment here, when he has this realization, I kind of felt like Morgan, you're, you're already there, buddy. You, you, did you really need, did we really need to go through all of this to get you to this point. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes it takes a lot for someone to realize, uh, you know, something that will make their life better. That's but sometimes true. it takes a whole lifetime to get to that decision point. Yeah, that's, that's true, I suppose. Um, but these are characters on a TV show and he's been struggling with this with, for, with this for so long. Um, suddenly there's a character who says we are getting through, what's her, What's her phrase? It's something like we're getting from tomorrow or we're getting from yesterday to tomorrow. Right. And 
now I guess that's where Morgan is as well. Yeah, well, tomorrow never comes. Take that. <laughs> yeah, sucker. <laughs> uh, I got a call here from Lee in St. Catharines, and I forget what he said, so hopefully it's relevant. <laughs> Great. Hey, Chris and Jason. Uh, this is Lee in St. Catharines, and here's my comments about the last episode. Um, so when they give Morgan his staff back, it's all wrapped in a towel like he's some Jedi master, like, oh, here's your holy grail. Kind of weird. Um, I'm not uh, like a carpenter by trade, but I do quite a bit of woodworking, and I don't know of any way to glue a stick back together that makes it as strong as any regular, like, wooden staff. Like, unless he bored out the center and put some metal piping in, I don't know of any way to do that. It just seemed really, really weird. It's two colors now. Just go with the mop handle. That worked really well. Thought that was kind of odd. That whole episode was a little weird. Lots of things, but that part really stood out to me. Okay. Right. Right. So I put that here because at this moment in the episode is when Morgan gets his staff back. Ginny's people have fixed it up for him. And I don't want to dwell on it too long, but it is brand new. It's all repaired. And, you know, well, Morgan, half new. he's well, half new, but it's repaired. And apparently it's as strong as it ever will be. She even says that it'll stand up to anything he throws at it or throws well, that, that, it at. <laughs> Lee, Lee, I think you answered your own question there because that's the exact thought I had or the same thought process I went through that as soon as they gave it to him was, why did you wrap it in a towel? Just give him a goddamn stick. It's just a stick, mm-hmm. right? It's his stick. He likes his stick. Just give him the stick. Why wrap it up and make it into some kind of weird present? Uh, but there's no way you can glue two pieces of wood together and have it be strong. Like in, maybe if you glued two houses together, that bond would be pretty good. But uh, on <laughs> well, a stick, gluing it and gluing it end to end will be nothing. You just you 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 drop it and it break apart. So the only thing I could come up with was, uh, yeah, absolutely. You bore out a hole in each of the ends. Uh, you don't have a, f- you know, glue flat pieces together. You glue it in a like tapered, uh, different, the tapered joint or some kind of weird jointery, but you bore it out and you put a metal pole in there or metal post in there, but that changes the weight mm-hmm. and the dynamics of the stick. So even that probably wouldn't, uh, it would take some getting used to by Morgan because he's used to the weight of his stick. Now he's got the weight of his stick plus the weight of this iron bar or steel post in the middle of it. So uh, you're absolutely rightly that uh, it's it's bullshit. Yeah. Just give him a new goddamn stick. And they didn't even, like, the, the, it's just bare wood on one side. Like, give it a coat of poly. Like, come on. Paint, anything, yeah. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go with painting. Painting wood seems sacrilegious to me. I, I'm not even I'm not even a proponent of staining wood. Just, you know, put a clear, clear coat on it. Let, let the wood show, but uh, give it some protection. Don't just give him bare wood. Well, he got bare wood, it sure, sure looked like, and he yeah. he spun it around a couple times and then took out a zombie as they were leaving. So yeah, he's got his stick back and it's in one piece again. So he's whole again, right? That's, that's uh, his thing. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. And now he can forget the past, even though he has a stick that he, you know, based on a skill he learned from a cheese maker in the past. So maybe he should throw his stick away and come up with a new uh, fighting style. Yeah. He's just going to leave the past behind. Well, it's... You know, it's I come up with Morganito. Stick with metal pole in it. That's, that's how it's different. Yeah. Okay, well, that, I think, covers... Um, Morgan and Al, the other half of this episode follows Daniel and Grace around. Um, it explains why Daniel wasn't there at the oil fields cause he's out doing stuff with Grace. And 
I didn't love much of their stuff either, sadly, and that's why I didn't really like this episode very much Come at on. all. Come on, he mentioned John Lee Hooker. You got know, some albums. They were looking. Uh, they were listening, or she was listening to Don Quixote. That's all fine and good, but you know, cat with an attitude problem. Yeah, and the cat was meowing, like just like the horses were uh, making neighing, neighing noises all the time. This cat was meowing all the time. But on the other side, you've owned, you've had cats. I have, right? Yes. What do you? What? What kind of? What? What do cats do when you put them in a cage and carry them around? They fucking howl and yell and scream at you the whole goddamn time. And then they poo in the cage uh-huh. uh, to make you take them out of the cage because nobody wants to have a cat sitting in its own poo. No. So, uh, yeah. Cause, yeah. Well, the cats I've owned in the past were like, uh, anytime they got into any trouble, they did exactly what the uh, 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 what the Star Wars battle cruisers do. What are they called again? The uh, Star Destroyers. Uh, Star Destroyers. Come Thank on, you very man. Much. <laughs> just, just a mental break. I'm in the middle of talking here and can't think of everything. So th- exactly what the Star Destroyers do before they jump to light speed. They dump their trash. Mm-hmm. So that's what my cats would do. It's like you dump and then you flee. But they're in the <laughs> middle of a cage, so they can't, uh, they can't flee. They can't flee. So uh, this cat, uh, Skidmark, was doing exactly what any cat I've ever had would do in this situation. Just fucking howl. Okay. Fine. That's great and all. It's realistic cat physics in this yes. uh in this episode. Um but them standing around talking about what they're doing, gathering supplies, helping, lamenting the fact that they weren't back at the oil fields to help. That's all fine and good, but it's not re- I don't find it really interesting or anything like that. So uh, we were kind of off to a bad start there. And then, um, you know, Daniel grabs these records. Well, even after they get, they, so they break down, their truck breaks down um, in the night and they have to walk back to a bar where they're going to hole up and be safe, at least for the night. And he brings the bag of records. I'm like, there's no reason to bring those records, especially if you're going to come back for the truck later, just leave them in the truck. But well, you're thinking pragmatically. You're not thinking in terms of, uh, you know, things that mean something personally. But Grace says it. She says we can come back for this stuff. And he's like, yeah. you know, maybe, but I'm still bringing my records because I'm going to need to drop them on the road, you know, a, a few feet away. So like, you know, people can fall down on them and they can get crushed and I'll be sad about it. Um, that's the only reason he brought them, I feel like. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't leave vinyl records in the back of a hot van uh, for an undetermined amount of time. <laughs> it's nighttime, If I felt man. them pressure. No, but I'd, when are they going to come back for them? Yeah. Right? They're going to come back with a tow truck as, uh, or, you know, a plane to airlift that thing out of there uh, or something, right? They right. They have transmission issues because they're carrying too much weight, which doesn't make any sense to me either. You know, mechanics, do nope. you really have transmissions issues in a, in a panel van because, uh, or a cube van, or I forget the difference, some kind of lorry. Uh, do they really have transmission issues when, uh, when they're carrying too much weight, especially when they're not full? Yeah. What not, the hell they got in there? Not usually, not usually, but maybe in the zombie apocalypse, I don't know. Gold bars? Like, it's like filled with gold bars or lead in there? Like, what the hell? Well. Anyway, I wouldn't leave vinyl in a hot vehicle for very long and expect it to be usable uh when i came back then sacrifice it leave it leave it on the side of the road instead i mean that's worse then sacrifice it i'm sorry if you if you're if you got a truck full of food 
or medical supplies or important things. I'm not saying music is not important. It is, but it comes secondary to the basic necessities of living, which you need to focus on in the zombie apocalypse. There, yes. There was just no reason for it other than to, to make this, to, to have them spill out all over the road in this nighttime zombie attack as they're walking down the road, which that thing drove me crazy too, because did you, you notice Daniel drops the records, they scatter all over the place and he literally turns around, crouches down and starts to pick them up while there are multiple zombies around, like coming at him. He's got his back to them and he's crouching down, trying to clean up the records. I'm like, what, like, what is going on here? He, Daniel is not this kind of character or at least he well, wasn't until you, now you have to give him some leeway so i understand what you're saying and i agree with you to a certain point but you're uh, there's two two important things that i think that you might be uh not quite uh accepting in this one is uh under this kind of stress some people break and they break in weird ways. You can't expect them to just, you know, lie on the floor and cry or start to paint trees or whatever. So some people break. His breaking was kind of, uh, was kind of not so dramatic. His breaking was, I found something that means something to me and I'm going to take that meaningful thing with me and I'm going to protect it. So it's not necessarily rational. But maybe he had some kind of weird little mental breakdown when he found a record store. So that's one thing. Okay. The second thing, I can't remember the second thing. I think it might just be the one thing. <laughs> okay. Well, the one thing, I, I see what you're saying, but he didn't seem broken to me. He just seems like a different character now than he used to be, right? He was this hardened, badass, former torturer. Remember, he tortured people. And, uh -huh. and now... He is a well, guy. Well, maybe that's the problem. He hasn't had a chance to torture people in quite some time. Yeah, maybe. maybe he's, uh, you know, maybe that's part of the cause of the breakdown. He needs the torture. He's, he's a guy who needs the torture. But now he's a guy who turns his back to, in an active zombie situation. And cuts hair. He was also a barber. That's right. Um, well, that's very interesting because the first surgeons, uh, the, the actual first surgeons in our human society were barbers because they were the only ones with, uh, cause they had the, the razor blades uh -huh. and they knew how to use them and they were skilled with that kind of thing. So they, uh, they would go to them for uh, surgery. So this uh, torturer barber thing starting to make sense to me. Okay. Well, uh, ultimately Maybe he tortured people to John Lee Hooker and he found a John Lee Hooker album. He's like, fuck, I'm going to start torturing people again. I need that record. <laughs> I need that music. I can't torture to any other music. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. No, I need blues. Yeah. Well, I just found, I thought it was the ultimate insult to Daniel's character, to the viewers who have been with them for the whole time and to just everybody involved. I, I couldn't understand what they were doing there. Um, so again, I was, I was losing all ability to continue taking this episode seriously in any way. Um, but they eventually get to the bar and what did you think about the whole guitar playing and singing? scene Jason. i fucking hated it <laughs> sorry i was uh, i don't know if it was obvious that they weren't actually singing but uh i'm you know i'm not a singer i can't sing uh i can't hold a tune to save my life uh but 
it seemed to me like they weren't even singing in the same key, or they might not have even been singing the same song. Well, I mean, you know the song, right? The Traveling Wilburys. Oh yeah, song? Traveling Wilburys. I know the song, but it was like she was singing it weird, or whoever was singing it for her was singing it weird. And the same with Daniel. Uh, it was too high. It was it wasn't the right notes. Uh, it was it was it just seemed very odd. Well, he was harmonizing. Was he? <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not. I'm not the best person to judge. But was no, he? I know what you mean. I'm. I I agree with you. It sounded weird, but. I don't think it was that far off. It it was okay. But it was weird to have him go so falsetto like that. But the thing about it is, you you know that Reuben Blades is a, a Grammy award-winning musician in real life, right? No, I did not know that. Well, you, so, okay, he's singing his part then. He Fine. is he is a well-rounded individual. Not only is he an actor who is very famous in his home country, he's also a as I said, a famous musician and singer, won awards. And he was a politician too. I think he was like the minister of foreign affairs for, uh, shoot, I forget now where he's from, but like for right. a number of years. Okay. Shit. I should have given him, I should have cut, cut him some more slack then. Fine. <laughs> like the, what do I know? Yeah. The guy knows what he's doing, but anyways, he, he is a musician. He is a singer. And this this scene, I'd, I yeah, I, I didn't think it was great. It made me think back to when we had Beth on the regular show, and she would sing once in a while, right? Emily Kinney? Yeah. And that was okay. It wasn't my, was it? It wasn't my favorite thing ever on The Walking Dead, but I, at the very least, I look back on it fondly. Okay. So if he's a, if he's a Grammy Award winning uh, musician, yep. he should have done better. I I think so. I think so. Maybe. I mean, I, I recognize that me being this schmuck on the internet that doesn't know anything about you know melody, harmony, or whatever is judging this guy, Grammy award-winning musician, uh, negatively. Mm-hmm. And I, I recognize that and how foolish that is, but it still seemed off. Yeah, I agree. It seemed a little bit off, but I didn't think the actual song was that bad. And and I think they both were were singing. I think. Uh, that was really Grace singing. The, the actress's name I don't know, unfortunately, but and I th- and I'm sure it was Reuben Blades singing. So, um, you know, it was fine, I guess. But what really sort of took me out of it was like, you know, Grace is totally fine one minute, and then on death's door the next. And I know an indeterminate amount of time has passed, but I'm pretty sure it was the same night, frankly. And she suddenly fell ill and she seemed very ill all of a sudden where she was totally fine, you know, 20 minutes ago. Well, that happens too. I mean, does it, you know, well, I don't know. I don't know. What do I know? Sometimes I get sick and I get sick really fast. I don't know if I get deathly ill very fast. I might. I'll let you know. Okay. I mean, yes. I mean, she has radiation poisoning is what we're supposed to believe. And that's bad for you, obviously. And I don't know what it's like to have that kind of ailment, but... Unless it's gamma radiation, then you become the Hulk or Captain America or something. Sure. I mean, that's fine. That's what you're going for. Or a radioactive big brain spider. guy, which didn't... The big brain guy. Remember he got some of the Hulk's blood in The Incredible Hulk and then never went anywhere? He was supposed to be a recurring bad guy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that kind of radiation just makes you a superhero. This kind of radiation makes you sick, which... Yeah. Like, what, like real radiation makes real people dead. Of course. Of course it does. Um. But, and, and, and I don't think this is a bad thing necessarily, but what they're doing is giving Grace a time limit 
which this show loves to do. And meaning and and that forces Morgan to get to her quickly because Morgan has just decided that he's going to live for the future. And that starts with getting back to Grace and telling her how he feels about her. And right now before he, she dies. Right before she dies. Or maybe he won't make it. And that destroys Morgan even more because he lost his original family. And now he loses like the first person he cares about romantically, I think, since then. Yeah. So which way is but, it going to go? Do you think he's going to get to her before she dies or is he not going to make it? <sighs> It's a tough question. Tough. That's a tough question. I'm trying to figure out a way to, for it to be both, but it can't be. So it's kind of a binary situation, right? Uh, I think he's going to get to her and be able to express his emotions before she dies 10 minutes later. Yeah, I think you're probably right. We, that's how it's both, actually, to be honest with you. He, he, <laughs> he gets to say it, and then she croaks. Yeah, well, we very rarely get to say it. Right? right. Like when we try and do something that has a time limit on it, you know, how, how often do we get to have our, uh, our, our full, um, I don't want to say release. No. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> but I did anyway. You can't have your cake and eat it too. That's basically what we're talking about. Yeah. Here. You made your cake. Now lie in it. <laughs> That's right. You can't have your bed and eat it too. Um, so we'll find out where that's going, but I just felt it was abrupt the way Grace got sick and uh, kind of out of nowhere. I mean, it might happen that way. I mean, stranger things have happened, right? Where you're feeling, where people are feeling fine. And then, uh, you know, a few hours later, they're right on death's door. I mean, stranger things have happened. And people that have gone into comas for years and years and years or get really, really sick and they think they're pretty much close to death. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they they rally and become perfectly lucid for a couple of hours and then they die. Uh Uh-huh. Right? You know, strange shit happens. No. We're not, we're uh, not a simple organism. We are definitely a complex organism. Well, that, I mean, covers just about this entire episode. For, for me, it was Al and Morgan just given crazy, ridiculous things to do that I couldn't get on board with. Um, Daniel and Grace doing basically nothing. Um, the entire episode, just traveling from one place to another and then Grace getting sick. Um, oh, they're traveling Wilburys then. Yeah, they're the traveling Wilburys. Um, and you know, we didn't, I, I feel like we've had two introductions to Ginny and her group now where we've had the same thing spoon fed to us both times. So, um, you know, I, how long is that going to go on for? I don't know until something actually happens. We'll find out next week. Um, and the one thing I forgot to mention is when Ginny is sitting there talking to Morgan and Al and she brings the yep. jam for them. Yep. I mean, she expects them to use her fingers in the jam. Like spoons exist in the zombie apocalypse. What the hell? Um, and then she yes actually, no. then she actually sticks her finger in and starts eating it. It's like, here you go. I'll just pass around the finger jar, finger that thing a little bit and eat it like yum. All right. Well, I wouldn't eat jam that way because, you know, you get jam on your hands and they get all sticky and stuff. It drives me freaking crazy. Oh, it's it, you can't get that off. Yeah. Without... I have a hard time uh, accepting that there's jam on spoon. And I have to wash the spoon. <laughs> you got a hand. I don't think pump. I like jam. <laughs> well, I, I, I think jam is delicious. Jam and toast and stuff like that. But you're right. Yeah, I don't like to get I'm, it all over my body. I've never really been a jam guy. Well, I'd rather just have peanut butter on toast. 
I do that too. Jam. But I like yeah, the peanut butter and toast is great. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite things. And Saturday morning, a nice slice of toast with peanut butter, crunchy peanut butter on it. Delicious. Mm-mm. Well, look at there's something we agree on. I'm a crunchy peanut butter guy too, but I never get to eat it because the rest of my family likes the smooth crap. Yeah, yeah, Jenny. Well, actually, lately, uh, lately, I'm like for the last ten years. Yeah. Uh, what's been happening is uh, we'll buy a jar of smooth, and when that runs dry, we buy a jar of crunchy mm. until that runs dry, and then I tend to only eat the crunchy stuff when it's in the house. Well, so every second jar of peanut butter, I get to have some. That's a, that's a pretty good arrangement. All right. Well, that is the episode. Anything else you have to say on it? Okay. Why were they after Tom? Why were, why was Ginny's? The settlers. Why were the settlers after, or the pioneers or the pilgrims or the, it's the it's whatever. The, I think it's the settlers. Um, They were after, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Tom ran off because he realized they weren't helping people the way he thought they should be. And, and that really prompted the uh, the ring race to go after him with such vehemence. I guess so. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It, it might have been in the episode, but I couldn't. <laughs> I just couldn't get get on board with it. Did he make a deal with them? Maybe making a deal with them is uh, the way to get killed, and that's why Morgan and Al uh, are let go because they refuse to make a deal with them. Well, Logan had a deal, and now he's dead. Yeah, so maybe that's the thing, is that if you make a deal with these people, they'll kill you. But if you don't make a deal with them, then you're fine. All right, no it's deal. It's weird, but whatever. No deal making, yeah. Yeah. Before we go, I would like to send out a bunch of thank yous to people who have recently supported the podcast. Uh, new patrons on Patreon. Uh, this week only one, Shannon B. Thank you, Shannon, for becoming a patron over there on Patreon. Uh, people who have sent a little bit of their hard-earned cash via PayPal are James G. Viv F., who wrote to us, Regards from Western Australia. Thank you, Jason and Chris, for your podcast. I look forward to listening each week. Keep up the fab work. Uh, thank you, Viv, and you're very, very welcome. We've got Adia H., who wrote, Happy 10-year anniversary for the Talking Dead podcast and sent a little donation. So thank you very much to you, too. Thank you. Um, and finally, Jonathan B, who sent a very generous contribution and wrote happy 10th anniversary lads been listening for years. We've fallen asleep together many times in a good way. I hope this buys a drink or two uh, for you to celebrate. Thanks very much, Jonathan. So, uh, thanks to everyone who supports the show. And of course, to everyone who just listens, if you want to become a patron of the Talking Dead podcast, you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash the talking dead and make a small monthly pledge there. You can also just send a small contribution directly via PayPal by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal and uh, doing what others have done at that link and send in a contribution. Thank you so much to everyone who does that. Um, we appreciate it very, very much. Next week on Fear the Walking Dead, there are only two episodes left, Jason. The next wow. one, yeah, the next one is called Channel 5. Uh, so that probably refers to Channel 5 on the Walkie Talkies. Well, not a TV Channel 5. Probably not, but we'll see. Well, they, they had TVs, but they were all hooked up to VCRs. Yeah, you never know. Um, and then finally, the season finale, the week after that, is called End of the Line, which kind of makes sense for a season finale. But I bring them both up now because if anyone wants to do title reads, you have an extra week for end of the line. 
but get them in. So channel five and end of the line, record yourself reading the title and I will play them on the relevant podcast most likely. All right, that's going to wrap up here for today. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead, or visit the website and click on send voicemail at the top is a great way to, uh, record a message for us. You can also, of course, send email to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. All right. We'll be back next week, everyone. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.